We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Light Years. We're recording this after the Rockets game. Uh, we'll call this a little two-for-one Rockets-Wizards post game. I feel like that's the appropriate way to handle this Warriors season. Disgusting loss one night, good loss the, na- the next night. Steph Curry looks like a god, but now you're worried about what's going on with James Wiseman. This is the definition of a 500 team where anything good that happens, something bad has to happen with. I got Aaron Larsoul sitting in for Andy Lou. Aaron, how you doing, man? You know, uh, it's been it's been a really good day. I've, I've I've gotten to hang out with a bunch of friends and family and all that. So it's been a good day until uh, until this easy Dubs win. But obviously, everybody's holding holding our collective breath to see what's up with uh, with James. All right, yeah, I guess we should start on that. I I don't want to. I'm going to keep an optimistic outlook until we hear anything. At this point, all we know is he's getting an MRI. Um, I'm assuming when this pod is out, we'll we'll hear the result of that. If I had to guess, he's missing time no matter what. It's just about crossing your fingers that it's uh, you know it's not torn or it's not something like that. Right. It's more of the it's more of the sprain nature. Um, I, I don't know if you have any thoughts other than that. No, I mean, look, I've I've uh <laughs> I've destroyed every ligament and joint and everything in my knee. It's being um, old and, fun. <laughs> I can I can assure you, look, you got plenty of years before you get to me. So I can assure you uh it just gets worse from where you are. But uh no, look, it didn't it didn't look catastrophic. Um I'm not one to to look at uh injury replays, so um I didn't look at it again. You reminded you, me it wasn't catastrophic. Get- you didn't give me. You didn't give it the Zapruder film, or just no. I mean, I did. I looked after you said, like, just look at it again because it's not. Ca- you know, it's not catastrophic yeah, looking. Yeah. I looked at it again, and 
the, the, I mean, the, the problem is that, um, ACLs specifically, and I'm not saying it is or it isn't an ACL, but ACL specifically can kind of look sort of harmless. Um, and right. We saw like clay again right. in, in game six, right. Torres ACL walked to the locker room and then said, you know, I got to shoot these free throws. Cause he thought he was going to play again and walked back. So I, I don't think that is, um, I mean, it's a good sign that he could walk, I guess, as opposed to that he couldn't, but that doesn't mean that his ACL is intact. And really, like, we just don't know anything. I know Pro Football Doc on, on Twitter, who is usually right. pretty good at this thing, these things, said it was limited video, but he was concerned about the ACL. So I would say I am concerned about the ACL, but really, I, there's nothing to, to even guess out uh, educate in an educated fashion until the MRI happens tomorrow. Right. That's that's the thing with... Uh... With ACL injuries, fifty um, percent of them look like nothing, and then mm-hmm. like you know, uh, you see knee injuries all the time where you're like, oh my god, I think that's terrible. Then you find out it's just like a sprain that's two weeks. So I don't really want to talk about it much more because it's well, quite frankly, we're not quite, you know what are we sure. gonna say, what are we going to say right now? Unless, no, you know, here's the thing. I, th- yeah. I think I think the only thing to say is I agree with you that that uh, it's likely. Other than you're going to get a bunch of anxiety until you get a, a finite answer. No, but even if even if even if it's if, if it's a not necessarily best case scenario, but even if it's a, it's on the positive side of the outcomes, um, you know, and he's got like a, a knee strain or a knee sprain or something, sure. um, I think that it is disappointing for his development because I, I think he's probably going to miss some time, whether that's a week or two weeks or nine months. We don't know yet, but I think he's right. probably going to miss at least some time. And he had really started to look like he was kind of turning the corner in his development. So the timing of it is, is, is kind of disappointing and sad and all of that because he had played pretty well the last couple of games. So I, I think that is, that's disappointing no matter what the outcome is. Absolutely. I mean, game 53, there's about a month left in the season. So anything short of, I don't know, the mildest sprain is probably going to rule them out for the season. So it is kind of, I mean, that sucks. These let's, let's pull this back here. He played well against the wizards. Mm -hmm. um, Although that game had a disgusting ending and, uh, you know, he was really good tonight against the Rockets. He's been playing better. So let, let's talk about that. What have you seen from Wiseman the last handful of games? I don't know. I don't know where you want to cut it off um, that you weren't seeing earlier in the season. Obviously, we know had a bunch of potential and he had a really rough stretch there. Felt like he was just starting to come out of it. But I want to get your opinion because I haven't talked with you about it since he really started playing well. So I don't think it's that he's it's it's anything that he hasn't done at all this season, but I think, I think it is reminiscent of the first handful of games this season where he looks like he has confidence. And I think that confidence comes from decisiveness or the decisiveness comes from confidence. Um, So he's looked more confident and more decisive and offensively specifically. I I think there's still a bunch to clean up defensively, but offensively uh, recently, I think he's been more decisive offensively when he catches the ball, it's either shoot it or get rid of it. When he's screening, he's screening more aggressively and then diving to the rim. Some of that is probably by design. And, uh, you know, of course, we can get into what he's being asked to do in the Kerr offense. But I honestly, I think most of it is decisiveness because the thing that the two things that 
caused the Warriors to draft him. The two things that made him the number two pick are his size and physical tools and then his skill. So when it's not, he still, to me, he still isn't thinking the game particularly well, but especially offensively when he is decisive and catches the ball and does something or screens and immediately rolls, um, he, that his, his size and athleticism and skill, his natural abilities take over. And so I think it's been his confidence and decisiveness that have, have been the difference over the last you know week, 10 days. Do you uh, agree? So this has been kind of like, okay, so the potential, anyone who has, knows anything about basketball can like, you watch him for a second, you're like, this kid has a lot of potential. Like that's undisputable. Do you think it's better that they're kind of just leaning into like, let's build this confidence up, live with the fact that he's making a bunch of mistakes, just kind of get him going and worry about that later? Or do you think it was better that they were trying to, for lack of a better term, kind of throw all this information at him and do everything, hoping it would eventually click? No, I think it was a mistake to overload him (laughs) for for lack of a better way to put it right yeah yeah i i I think that has that was a mistake um and whether kerr and everybody have decided we made a mistake and we're we're pulling back from that because that also that also fits in and jives with what you and i and andy and warriors fans have been asking for which is simplifying the offense put it in put it in steph's hands more more pick and roll with Wiseman, even even Wiggins and Wiseman. They've run a lot of uh, pick and roll with Wiggins and Wiseman. Steph and Wiseman, it's more on the top. Wiggins and Wiseman, it's more on the side on the wing. But it gets it gets Wiggins downhill and it simplifies all of the reads. So uh, I don't know if that is if they've kind of fallen into that or lucked into that. But I, I think like this is the one area where the Warriors actually can do two things at once, develop Wiseman and do what is best for winning games. If Wiseman and Steph do a lot more pick and roll, the question then becomes, does that minimize Draymond's offensive role? And I think it's a fair question to ask because if Draymond doesn't have the ball making decisions, what is he doing? I, yeah. What is what is his, what is his utility on, in on offense? So I think that's a fair question to ask, but, um, no, I mean, and and frankly, if Wiseman misses time, like this is all kind of moot. But um, I think the 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 way to maximize Wiseman's development and maximize chances at winning games here, if you're going to play him, has been more pick and roll. We've seen it kind of recently with him and Steph and him and him and Wiggins. So, and I do think that's a that's a question. Maybe we can talk about this. That's a question they have to answer long term if they're going to have Draymond Green and James Wiseman on the roster at the same time, uh, obviously with Steph Curry. How are you going to play him? Because uh, James Wiseman seems to me like a player who should be playing out of pick and roll all the time. Yes, I agree. But Draymond Green can't really function if the ball, if the primary action is not running through it, whether he's a screener, whether he's the ball handler handing off, doesn't matter. Um. I, so I don't understand where w- what they can really do with that with the two of them. Like I don't want to say it's like one or the other, but it does. I'll, I'll give Steve Kerr this. It's not like Draymond's making it easier on him. It's not like he's sitting with a forty percent three point shooter who he's like dying to get in ball screens. He, I, I don't know what you can do necessarily with those two right now. So I think the only option 
is because Wiseman is not enough of a threat as a three point shooter um, to, to be pick a and pop yeah. or, or to or to stand like on the wings if it's a Steph Dre pick and roll. I think the only thing you can do is put James in the dunker spot and then run pick and roll with Draymond and Steph. And stagger uh, the two of them, obviously, too. Uh, yeah, I, and then, yes, and then stagger them and run just, like, more traditional pick and roll with with uh, Poole, if you're going to let him play point guard at all, uh, with Poole and James. Um, but if if the three of them, meaning Wiseman, Steph, right. and Draymond, are on the floor at the same time, and if, if that action is a Steph and Dre pick and roll, generally Steph is going to get blitzed. And then you get the four on three actions with, with Draymond. The only thing you can do with Wiseman is put him in the dunker spot and hope that Draymond is going to press the defense enough that guys are going to leave Wiseman and he can throw lobs. But I mean, frankly, Draymond's passing has been like at times fantastic, but also, and, and Steph too, to be honest. But Dre turns the ball over a ton. Well, because I mean, you see, it becomes really predictable when they play against better teams. Like the, I don't want to go back to the last Laker game, but like LeBron knew exactly every time when Draymond was driving what he wanted to do, and it's not just LeBron; it's like literally any above-average defense is aware of no, it. No, I mean, and no, that's it, it, it comes is down to the fact that he doesn't want to score the ball, so they they just they just bait him into it and then just pick him off. So I think what's really important. Okay, so it is specifically LeBron, but it's not only LeBron. Um, but I, I think that if if Dre trusted his floater, I think that's more important than the three point shot. Um, oh, interesting. And I, I, I think, don't actually, I don't actually disagree with you because if you're going to get him going downhill, he has to do something downhill. Correct. I think if Dre trusted his floater, which he clearly does not, um, if Dre trusted his floater, I think that would open up a ton because. He's going to get, if you run pick and roll with him and Steph, I don't care who else is on the floor, Dre is going to get all those four-on-three opportunities that he feast, feasted he's on. Getting, for, he's getting ahead of steam going down. Correct. Correct. Now, in his more athletic days, he could get layups and dunks out of that. He still can occasionally. He's obviously a great passer out of that. If people, uh, if somebody comes and tags him or people come off the weak side, he can find three-point shooters. The Warriors don't have any but that you're afraid of. But... um I think the key for it is the floater because once he gets into the lane, if he has the option and the threat of the floater, that is going to open up guys coming, you know, having to come up off of that right. dunker spot to guard him at eight feet that he can float that, that lob over the top to Wiseman or I'm not sure Looney can dunk anymore, but you know, whoever or Chris or whoever it's going to be. So I sure. think the key to all of that is, is Dre finding more confidence in his floater. I like that. I agree with you. It's I, I'm, I'd love to see him hit three points. Honestly, if he can do both, great. But he, he needs to be able to at least do one of them because one of them will open up options and probably the floater is more important than being the spot of threat, right? I mean, like... <laughs> you could argue either way. If he, if he becomes no, I mean, a credible th- spot of threat, then you can actually just have him on the lead I mean, if, if, if we're but going back to I, 16, I Draymond, like, and he's yeah. going to shoot 38% again, like, great, but that's more important because three is worth more than two and a 38% three point shooter would open up a ton of everything else. But I think that ship has sailed. So I think there's still, I think with confidence well, floaters he, a little more likely. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
I don't want to dwell too much on the Rockets game because the Rockets are clearly in tank. This mean, it, mean, it means nothing. The, the Rockets game means like you and I were talking about me coming on the show and I'm like, right. I don't know what to, I don't know what to say because <laughs> the Rockets game didn't like we do. What can we take from this? Nothing. The Rockets are actively trying to lose nothing. Yeah, Steph, was, well, Steph is incredible. Steph is among the best two or three players in the NBA. Steph is incredible, but we knew that already. Yeah, I mean, we still get giddy every time we watch him do it because he's just that fun to watch. But, you know, there's not too many takes from there other than um, uh, Ubre was out, and there's no way they can have Ubre and Wiggins on the roster next year, right? Like, I, I just – I keep going back to I, – I understand that they didn't get good trade offers for Ubre, but they had to have been really bad because the more I watch this team, the more I'm like, I don't understand – how you can function with it. They both function in the same role. Wiggins obviously better, but I just don't understand what you're going to do with the two of them on a roster next year. Yeah. But what's the alternative, right? Because they didn't trade Ubre. So like you would rather just Ubre walks and have him around. Like I don't, no, 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 you're, 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 you're not, right. you're not yeah. wrong. You're not wrong. You like, you're not wrong. Conceptually, you're not wrong. Um, but I just like, you you kind of if you're the Warriors, I assume you want to keep Ubre because otherwise you just lose him for nothing and should have traded. I don't care if you would have gotten a second round pick. If you're going to lose him, you may as well trade him for something. So, but the but the other question, despite his insistence that he's a starter, is you know next year theoretically Clay's back, and if Ubre is a bench player, then it's not so much having Wiggins and Ubre together. It's it's staggered, yeah. Like there's more the the stagger is more like the the fit and the stagger is more apparent and 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 frankly like the you and I've talked about this before the Ubre Wildman defense and steals and blocks and all of and then the Wiggins kind of more steady defense right I think there I think there's value in having the the different looks to go against uh, opposing wings and lead initiators yeah I mean. Yeah, I guess I've been more focused on the offense and the defense. I want to ask you this, actually. I was just playing with the numbers. Do you think the offenses will come a little more down to earth next year and we get fans and everything? To that? Like, How much do you actually buy this explosion of offense? And it just, I mean, a 109 defensive rating is legitimately top 10 this year, and that's not a good defensive rating historically. It's not even a good right. defensive rating by two years ago. Um, how much of that is a function of no fans and refs being whistle happy because they don't have fans drowning out noise? And how much of that is just kind of the offensive evolved to a point? My question for you is, do you think this is coming down to earth next year or this is just kind of where the leak is? Both. I mean, I think, I think it is coming back down to earth some, but I think, I think the league is tending in that direction. I mean, everybody, like if you look at the bubble, which is, the hyper example of what you're talking right, about, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, so everybody um, shot the ball incredibly well in the bubble. Um, you know, the Lakers won Except the championship. For Paul George, of course. Uh, right. but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pandemic P. Yeah, uh, but the Lakers, right? The Lakers, the the big the big um, Achilles heel going in was they don't have Shooting. they're not great yeah. shooters, right? And everybody shot well in the bubble, so that mitigated it for the Lakers. Um, offenses this year have been incredible. It's the best offensive season ever. I think part of that is where the league is going, but I think it's also that it's easier on offense 
um, when you don't have to worry about a bunch of other things. Um, road teams are doing better than they have before, not by a ton, but road teams are better than they usually are. I think it will be interesting uh, coming up here, at least you know, for the Lakers and the Clippers at Staples Center on, on Thursday the 15th fans are going to start coming in. And, and so I think that's going to kind of trickle to the rest of the league. Also, there's obviously a handful of places that already have fans. So I think it'll be interesting to see if that mitigates it. But yeah, I think there will be next year when it's hopefully and theoretically capacity fans. I think it'll be, I think, I think it'll be more normal, but I also think that this is an offensive league. Offense is what sells. Offense is what everybody wants to see. Offense is most of the rules are are structured you, in that way. So I think I, I think it's not going to be. I think it'll be a little. It'll come back a little bit, but I think this is where the league is going. Do you buy my theory? It's more for the refs because um, we've both seen NBA players. You get NBA players in an open gym. They hit a lot of shots, like a lot yes. in a row. Like yes. you, you like I, I'll never forget. I like watch Anthony Randolph hit like 33 pointers in a row. And that was like my, all right, you know, guys you don't think can shoot, can shoot. These dudes are different. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think literally because refs don't have noise, they hear everything. And if you're officiating everything by the letter of the law and it's hype, it's louder and you can hear the players, you can call foul on every play. If you call foul on every play, that leads to two things, either a million free throws, which Warrior fans are very used to watching, or, um, or um, or with 14 fouls every 36 minutes. Yeah. Or guys just back off defensively. And if you back off defensively, these guys are too good. They're going to like guys you, you think are average shooters will look great if you back off of them. So it's, that, that's my theory. I think the lack of fans has led to, the refs being a little more obvious. And then, mm-hmm. and, and then because of that, it's like either, either you're fouling guys or you're backing off of guys and, you know, guys who maybe shoot 32% if you're contesting them, we're going to shoot 40% if you don't have to contest them hard. Yeah. I mean, uh, look, the, so I, I think this is like a complicated issue. Um, I think there is in some ways, like the home teams don't get the juice from the fans. Um, But I think it is also, but the road teams um, generally shoot better when there's not everyone on their, on their neck and on their head. And then, and then the referees like, right. They're humans. So there's, there's a human nature element to calling fouls and favoring slightly the home team because the referees are, are human beings. And, you know, you want to please everybody you're around. I don't think the refs are doing anything nefarious, but there's a human nature element. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Into it. Um, it's, but, true, it's true in every sport. And it's statistically, it's always true. The refs slightly skew to the home team. It just correct. is what it is. Like, I don't even think anyone's doing it on purpose, but. No, yeah, again, it's like it's it's human nature is, you know, like there's 20,000 people screaming at you that is going to if there are 50-50 things, sometimes that is going to tend towards, you know, a positive reaction from the 20,000 people. You want a positive reaction from the 20,000 people screaming at you. Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three-putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you're coming up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to roman.com slash lightyears now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S.-licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LightYears and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash LightYears and get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. GetRoman.com slash LightYears. Get started now to save $15 off your first month of treatment. All right, I'm going to open this to questions. Let's, let's get, get it. Let's get some people up here. We'll start here. Hey, what's up? Could you guys hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. What's up, man? Right, yeah, good, what's up, brother? Man. Uh, so I told you we were going to go back in that all lives matter offense. Like right after I think I talked to you like <laughs> such, two days ago. Like, oh, that is such a good description for it. That's hilarious. Yeah, I was like, dude, I was like, man, I'm about to get PTSD. We about to go in that all lives matter, bro. So anyways, I got a two part question. So it has to do with JP. Do you think when we go back in that offense, right? Do you think uh, JP gets overwhelmed by making these extra plays? Because when he's at his best, he's he's much more decisive and he likes to attack. And as far as Draymond, do you think that it's more of a physical or a mental regression with him? Because his shot and floater has been so flat all all, all this season. Yeah, that that the floater where he airballed, like, I mean, he's he's gonna get on Shaq and the fool and he'll deserve it. But anyway, uh look, I want to start with you, Aaron. Jordan Poole, what are your thoughts on him? Because he's looked spectacular at times. Like he's obviously skilled. Mm-hmm. He's an NBA player. It's more a question of, you know, what kind of NBA player is he? Where is he in this league? Because, like, there are nights where I'm like, this this kid's special. And there's other nights where I'm like, looks like a guy who might bounce around the league a little bit. Right. Uh, so I have called him probably, I think on your show previously, a, like, 4A player where he was too good for the G League and not good enough for the NBA. I think now... Um, based on the work that he did and the development that happened in the G League, I think he's an NBA rotation guy. His confidence, and, and this is, it was a two-part question about Draymond also, uh, his confidence 
seems to win. And he is one of the most confident guys, I think, naturally, as far as getting his shots up. Right. But his confidence since he has come back has waned a little bit, and he has not let it fly. I think that Kerr and the coaching staff and development, et cetera, have done him no favors um, trying to get him to play off the ball and then some trying to get him to play like Steph, you know, coming off screens and stuff. He is a guy that... Again, I don't think people understand how hard it is to play like that. It's right. not. It's, it's not. It's not normal. It's not normal to be able to just like come off a screen, turning your body, contorting it that way, and shooting with confidence, and just feeling comfortable. Yeah, there's like one person on planet Earth that can do that, <laughs> and the Warriors have him, and they're not going to find another one of those. There, there are no other of those. There's whatever four, seven billion people that live on planet Earth. And there is one that can do that. And the Warriors have him. And he's not Jordan Poole. So I think it is a mistake. It was a mistake to play him with Mannion. I think it is a mistake to try to turn him into Steph in the off-ball uh, off actions. I think that you just have to lean into the fact that Jordan Poole is a confident bucket-getter combo guard that is going to handle the ball and has some ability as a passer. He's pretty creative as, as a passer. So I think I think the Warriors need to just lean into the fact that he is their backup point guard and let him cook when he f- is feeling it. Um, as far as the, the question about Draymond, um, I think it is it is a twofold thing. I think the 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 sol- shoulder injury really physically harmed Draymond and that messed with his confidence. And confidence is a really fleeting thing. Draymond is always going to be able to guard, but the shoulder injury, which which made him not be able to shoot anymore. Um, I think is in his head for floaters for everything and has kind of just ruined his offensive game other than passing. Agree with you on Draymond. And I just want to throw this out there with uh, Jordan Poole. He is creative. With creativity comes mistakes. Mm -hmm. He's going to try to thread the needle. He's going to take shots where you're like, what are you doing? Um. But the, but this hold on coach, hold on this hold on. Coaching, but, this coaching but, staff has not in in my opinion. I just want to put this out. Yeah there. yeah yeah. This coaching staff barely tolerates Steph doing that, and he's Stephen Curry. Uh, beyond that, every other player on this team is really regimented and not built in that caliber. Even when we have Kevin Durant, I wouldn't describe Kevin Kevin Durant's more like inevitable is the best way to put him. Like I would never. I can't imagine a coach telling Kevin Durant not to take that shot like ever. You know. Um, it's something I just don't think they've had to coach up in. And I think they struggle with when Jordan Poole is making mistakes. You kind of have to let that go somewhat. You kind of have to let the guy just get his rhythm and play because when you get into his head too much, you can tell when Jordan Poole is playing with voices in his head because yes. then he's just, you know, it, it's, yes. and, and he's not good. Him, him, well, him, by the way, him, him and Wiseman. Yeah, exactly. And, but, and, but I, if there, but but Jordan Poole is theoretically right. He's with the second unit, and, and he's theoretically gonna, he's like a six man. He's feeling like a right, but but even role. even yeah. with this team, he's like you know he's he's one of the guys that's going to go get buckets in the second unit, and there are not a lot of them throughout the season. Sometimes it's been Ubre as the bucket right. getter in the second unit. Sometimes it's been Wiggins. Occasionally it's been Wiseman. But you're right; they don't tolerate those mistakes and those wild shots and some of the turnovers from, from Jordan Poole. But when he's in that second unit, what is the alternative? Like what, what would you rather have? I don't like, it seems short-sighted to me to like 
pull him or get frustrated with Jordan Poole or mess with his confidence because he's not he you know he's not steady Eddie uh, right. in the second unit. Yeah, That's Brad what you Long need in the right second right. unit because nobody else is doing anything. So what like what is the <laughs> alternative? Joan in the mentions goes Baysmore eighteen footer and yeah that is <laughs> exactly that is literally what the alternative turns into exactly yeah. all right we're gonna move this forward um by the way if I miss if I brought you on stage and I missed you just ask to speak again I'll move you to the front of the line Ricky Ricky Garcia what's up man hello can you hear me I can hear yeah, got you, you. Up, let's man? get it you know I'm never an advocate for you know for Steph to go full James Harden on some nights but you know yesterday. It kind of felt like one of those nights where he probably should have um, because, you know, the shots weren't falling from his other teammates in that fourth quarter. And um, I don't know. Would, would you say that, you know, it should have been one of those nights where he just goes full nu- nuclear? I think in general, uh, by the way, Ricky Garcia, we appreciate you on point on stage. Um, I think in general, this team would probably have three, four more wins if they just embrace Steph going full Harden, full Dame Lillard. Ball at the top of the key, every possession, you make every decision mode. Uh, last night is maybe a more egregious example of it, but like in general, if you're just, if you just are interested in the Warriors win-loss record, they're 25 and 28 probably could flip those numbers if they committed to this style of play a little earlier in the season. They just, if Steph just took over the game a little more and just kind of lived with the results, that's just my thought. Look, there is nothing better in the NBA. There is no better shot in the NBA than Steph Curry shooting the ball. I don't care where it is from. I don't care how it happens. Steph Curry shooting the ball, preferably a three is the best thing that can happen in an NBA game. It is the most efficient thing. So I don't know that there is a number of shots that is too many for Steph Curry. So anything that leads to Steph Curry shooting the ball more is a good thing for the Warriors, in my opinion. Simple, concise, and to the point. I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) Maxwell, we got you back on stage. All right, what's up, man? Thank you. I'm sorry about that. Uh, I'll be quick. I I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but like what you guys said, you know, this doesn't really mean anything. We beat one of the worst teams in the league. So I, I kind of want to talk about last night. Um, okay. my, first, my first question is about Kerr. And I'm not going to pretend that I'm unbiased. I hate the guy. I want him to win. <laughs> hate is pretty strong. You're, you're going full hate? Hate is strong. I, I really, really do not like the guy. And I, I personally think we as fans attribute too much of his flaws to his ego. And don't get me wrong, his ego is out of control. But I think sometimes it's just as simple as he's not a good enough coach. So... Do you guys think he doesn't change his system to fit the personnel because of his ego and, and wanting to play his certain way or because like he just knows he's not a good enough coach to be able to change his system? Which one do you think it is? Maxwell, I appreciate the question. Uh, okay. I, any way you want to say it, I think he's a stubborn coach. Stubborn is going to get misconstru- misconstrued for ego any way you want to slice it. You know, when it's going well, you're um, – What's the word I'm thinking about? You're uh, you're steadfast. You're committed. When it's not going well, you're stubborn. You have a big ego, right? Like a- any way you want to slice it. I think we need to be honest with the fact he's somewhat of a system coach. He believes in what he believes in, and he's not willing to deviate from it. Um, I don't think that's a bad thing or a good thing. I just think that's a thing. And if you're going to be that strong about your beliefs, you know, 
not every team's the team for you to coach sometimes. Yeah, look, um, I think I do, I, I do think Steve fire. Kerr's. I think, <laughs> thank you for that. I think Steve Kerr's a good basketball coach. I think on balance, I think he is um, a very good human being. And I think he's a smart man, a brilliant man. And I think he's, again, I think he's a good basketball coach. So I think it is more the stubbornness. But I also think that some of that is understandable because what he was doing was so successful. And I think when you when you win a bunch of championships, doing things one way, um, and it, this applies to all other aspects of life. I think when you all when jobs. you are when you are really successful doing something a specific way, I think it is very easy to get caught up in or assume that that is the way that it's always going to work. I think he is the Warriors, and he have That's gotten well behind said. the times because I think that they are too reliant on things that used to work um, and clearly don't anymore and i just want to throw this out there he takes the job they immediately go to the finals he he never went through the normal growing pains of a coach the middle ground where you kind of are really going through trial and error and last year was a wash last year was a like what are you going to learn once you're coaching a, a starting lineup of kai bowman damian lee alec burks like you know, like, so this is the first time I think he's ever coached a team that we would define his middle ground talent wise. Like on the one hand, he has a top three player on his roster. On the other hand, you know, it's not too deep, but he, he's got, it's the first time he's had what I would consider a middle tier roster. Right. So yes. there's, there's some growing pains that are going to just come with that. Right. So, yeah. So, but okay. So I think, uh, yes, you're right. Um, but I think some of that is a little easy on him. I believe very strongly in basketball and in life, you do the best you can with what you've got, right? Like the roster, the roster ain't great. Let's be fair. The roster ain't great. We can talk about if that's his fault, if that's Bob Myers fault, whatever combination. Fine. It's it's Andy Lou's fault. If it's Andy Lou's fault. Yeah. Because KD ain't here no more. Uh, And that I'm, I'm definitely with, but I so my 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 problem with Kerr and the reason I have been very very critical of him even publicly is I don't think he's doing the best he can with what he's got. Um, I don't think he's maximized Steph, and I don't think you and I have talked about this before. If you're not going to do that and not try to win every game you can, he's even said that it's not about this year; it's about development. I don't think the development has been any good. Right? Um, yeah, yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna put the eye on development. Well, then let's talk about it, and that hasn't been great. Yeah. So, do the I I think like life, right? Like, I don't care how good looking you are, how smart you are, how talented you are in life, basketball, whatever. Do the best you can with what you've got, and I don't think he has this year. That's fair. All right, move forward. All what's right. good? What's good, fellas? Saeed, um, what's up, man? Hey, brother, what's going on? What's going on? You guys listen to the podcast with Katie and Draymond. You think Kerr heard it? I think he heard. It. I think he heard it. Yes, I did. Well, what yes. What do you guys take of that? Both of them laughed at Kerr's comment, saying that last year was more fun, and then <laughs> it just got really funny. What do you guys think, Aaron? You go first. Yeah. So uh, again, I think Kerr is brilliant. I think he's probably a good. I, no, not probably. I think he's a good human being. So 
this this notion that players players will always try to tell you they don't hear read see all the stuff about them they're lying to you they do and i suspect uh kerr did too they got smartphones too guys yes exactly so um yeah i I think he I, i yeah i mean he probably didn't love it because i think that his ego is some of the reason look and we all have ego i'm not like picking on him for having an ego but I think his ego has gotten in the way of some of the Warriors' success, and this was a shot at his ego. So I don't know, it probably didn't feel great for him, but I think that um, he and Draymond have a very specific relationship, and uh, they have figured out how to make that work. So I don't think this was any like shot to their relationship, but it probably didn't feel great for, for Steve. I also think KD and Dray were pretty political in the way that they, they were just yeah, they know what they're doing yeah they know what they're doing they, they, they were i mean the way draymond worded it was pretty funny to me it's like yeah uh last year didn't feel better to me and he just like laughed about it and like you know it, it, i don't think it was anything he didn't say to steve in general so it, you know i i do think those guys are f- probably frustrated with some of the stubbornness that they've dealt with over the years but i also think they were very specific with the way they worded it. Um, and to particularly, be fair, Dre, particularly, like Dre and Steph, are, yeah, Dre and he, Steph are two of Kerr's biggest defenders, at least publicly. To be yeah. fair, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it. I just think it's, I think they were poking, they were poking a little bit because I think uh, some of the comments Steve's made all year about not chasing wins, uh, having more fun coaching a garbage team. Uh, might have made Draymond roll his eyes. So I think he was just having a little fun hitting him back. And you know what? That's fine. If Steve's going to make those comments, he's got to he's gotta, uh, uh, be aware of the fact that, you know, he might get one back from a guy who's as, uh, as loud as Draymond is. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm not a robot. Oh, yeah, exactly. I, I'll hit. Right, I'll I'll this Sorry. Nandy, what's up, man? I haven't talked to her about this, but I want to go to. I think if he, if if we're telling the truth, that then Kerr would like that that comment back. The uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, all right, Nandy, what's up, man? Uh, hi, Sam. Uh, hey, I want to float a trade scenario here. So, if the Beal trade becomes available, and uh, he with him Clay and Steph, it becomes three guard lineup. So, uh, for matching the trade purposes. Wiggins would be the guy that they're shipping. So we are losing a primary defender there. So, I mean, like, do you think that's an effective lineup when we're playing against uh, Lakers where they have AD and LeBron, which... That's a great question. Nandi, that's a great question. Uh, I'm going to take you off stage because it's a little static on your side. Um, Okay, so I don't... Okay, Aaron, let's, let's go here. Um, I don't buy that the Warriors aren't going to try to swing a big trade this summer. Whether they can pull it off is a different question, but like all this we want to build internally, I feel like is just trying to posture so that they don't have to, you know, trade 40 picks, so to say, right? right? Like, right. you know, they, anyway, let's assume they can pull off a deal, which inevitably would be like James Wiseman, Wiggins, and future picks for Bradley Beal. So mm-hmm. the Warriors now have Steph Curry, Bradley Beal, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and a poo-poo platter of veterans who are willing to come on a cheap deal. Mm-hmm. How does that match up with the top teams in the league? Mm-hmm. How do they – is that a defensive issue versus the Lakers? I mean, yes. Anytime yes. Play, <laughs> yeah, I mean, a top quick, team, it's always a defensive issue. But like, Quick, you, quick answer, yes. 
How do you feel um, about that matching up against the top teams in the league? Um, well, let's take the top teams in the West. Yes, I, I think that is a defensive problem against the Lakers specifically. Um, but I think I think a team of Steph, Bradley Beal, um, Clay. I think my suspicion is Clay is going to be like ninety percent Clay on offense, um, and and Draymond, and then looney or insert center here uh a wiggins oh no wiggins would be gone so maybe Ubre, um and then you you spend the you, you whatever exceptions you have in the offseason on a center because you can find decent centers for not that much money right so i think that that lineup will be able to score with any team in the league so but i do have some concerns defensively however i think the warriors are in a place where it's maximizing talent and um, giving offensively Steph some room to operate, I think is probably the thing. I think that is probably the best path towards hopeful contention. Um, Yeah. I mean, look, that team's not going to guard the Lakers, right? (laughs) LeBron's a problem. Wiggins, excuse me, Oubre in this scenario is a decent option to try. Sure. Um, but, but yeah, the Lakers I mean, are going to have problems guarding Steph and Beal absolutely. And themselves. Right? Absolutely. And so is every team. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think that, you know, and, and it'd be Lake committing to a, it'd be committing to a completely different identity, but it could be an effective one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, the best teams in in basketball um, and the Warriors uh, and everybody in the locker room and, and on the podcast, all the Warriors fans know this, the best teams in basketball tend to at this point have the most collection of offensive talent. I think it's why the Lakers and probably the Nets are the favorites to win. We throw the Clippers in there, maybe the Nuggets, but like the collection of offensive superstars is what wins in the NBA at this point. So I think it is probably something that should be considered for the Warriors. Okay. Keep moving forward. Juwan, what's up, man? Howdy. Happy Saturday, fellas. <laughs> two two things. One, uh, my last co- uh, point is a question. First comment, uh, with Wiseman being out, I'm a big believer in, like, stories write themselves. I 100% believe this team's going to go on a run to end the season because the stories write themselves. We've seen, you know, Warriors Twitter talking about we embrace small ball, yada, yada, yada. I think this team really goes on a run embracing the small ball just because, you know, basketball gods. Uh, but second question <laughs> is, well, am I the only one that'll never get used to the Steph hitting uh, outlandish shots? I like that question, Joe. I appreciate you coming on. <laughs> I do too. There's no amount of shots Steph will hit where I don't like get giddy. Like, I don't know. I, yes. I, I kind of just assume that's the, the Homer fan in me. But, like, I, I kind of feel like when I watch people who are not Warrior fans, they tend to have the same reaction. Uh, something about the way he shoots, the way he moves, um, just it's it always catches you by surprise, even when it should not catch you by surprise. Yes. So, Steph, Steph, uh, it was it was so much fun. I, like I work for another NBA team, so sure. but it was so much fun watching Steph. I grew up a Warriors fan. It was so much fun watching Steph do his Steph third quarter thing where he gets you know human torch mode or whatever you want to call it he had 20 straight in the third tonight and it is so much fun and it made me think of 
all of the games I saw in Oracle, watched on TV at Oracle, they had the Oakland jerseys on where Oracle would just, like there was nowhere like it in the third quarter when Steph would go on those runs, starting back in like 13 and 14 in those playoffs. Right, right. Against, against San Antonio and against Denver. Like there is nothing like it. I I have had a girlfriend that's not, we're not together anymore, but who wasn't like a huge basketball fan, but just and, and loved that's Steph. <laughs> right like there was some there is something about Steph that speaks to even non-basketball fans that it the, the, he's just so the way I say it I, I put this on Twitter every once in a while I still think I think LeBron is the best player in the NBA still but Steph Curry is the boogeyman he just he is terrifying in ways that no one else has ever been he he changes he has changed the game and other teams and other players because they still haven't figured out how to mitigate his damage and guard him. Right. He's he's just he's the boogeyman. Everybody else is afraid of him. He's he's Freddy Krueger. He's like he is what you see in your nightmare. LeBron is the best player, but Steph has a way of the worst the worst part is Steph will hit one of those shots and just smile at you. And it's just it's mean. It's it's like it's he's mean. the boogeyman. Yeah. Um I can't quantify it, but like there's a effect that Steph has when he hits shots that's different than other players. It just is. So Boogeyman's actually probably a good way to put it, but I'm going to keep moving. LeBron is the best player in the world. Steph Curry is the Boogeyman. Ryan, what's up, man? Yeah, just going back to that last caller, I always remember the shot Steph Curry hit over Serge Ibaka where he made it and just looked at him. It was... <laughs> <laughs> I know which one you mean. Yeah, it's... it's uh it's demoralizing. It's like, it's, it's borderline mean. He, he just, he like laughs at you when he does it. Yeah. Right. And he's like, and he's light skinned and small and can't move and can't jump. And he feels like just some dude off the street. And then he's laughing at you while he puts 48 on your head. <laughs> exactly. All right, Ryan, what, what else you got? Um, uh, my question was, what do you guys think Wiseman's like full, like ceiling is? Oh, good question. All right, Ryan, appreciate the question. Aaron, what do you, what do you think? So his full ceiling, um, when he got drafted, you and I have had this conversation and, and on the podcast, I thought that the range of outcomes was like a one, two, three-time All-Star at the low end to a Hall of Famer. Um, I think that at this point, I think his high outcome is KG-ish. Now, KG is an all-timer, but... I think that it is still possible. David Robinson. Yes. I think I think I think all of those things are still on the table. I've liked what I've seen recently. Obviously, we have to see what's up when and if he has a knee injury. But um, yeah, I think I think I think his like high outcome is a dude that you know in a handful of seasons averages twenty two, twenty four, somewhere in there. 24 and, and 12 and a couple blocks and i'm, I'm banning does, whoever said epe udo on the mentions <laughs> you're no longer no longer shane yeah shane is no longer uh around <laughs> so i look again to be fair i i i have been pretty high on wiseman from a long time ago but yeah i mean like his combination of size athleticism and skill you just don't find um, so I, th- I think, I think the, the, the high outcome, I, I still look, I still think the dude can be a hall of famer. How about that? 
I don't know how likely that is, but I still think that potential is in there. I think I mostly agree with you. I, I haven't seen anything this year that makes me think a ceiling is lower. I think all this year did was bring me down to earth and remind me of the the timeline it takes for him to get to his potential. Like you wanted to believe based on Instagram footage of workouts, he was more pro ready than he was. And then you watch him play and it's not like anything you saw in those workouts was inaccurate. Like he still is that huge. He's still that athletic and he still has like that level of touch. Uh, but you're, you're reminded of the fact he just has not played a lot of basketball. Correct. And there's no, there's just no way to uh, speed that process up. Like he needs 150 games before we get there. So well, and it, yeah, I, I look like even he's been incredibly inconsistent and there's been pl- times where he's just been playing bad and looks like he has no idea what he's doing, especially defensively. But then all of a sudden, just for no reason, he'll have these games where he'll have like, all right, here's 18 and nine for no reason. Right. And he has no idea what he's doing. So I don't that's, think that's it always is. my favorite part about him. It's very clear. He doesn't know what he's doing just relative to inexperience and he ends a game with like 15 and seven Correct. Like, two minutes. And that's just where it spe- that speaks to like how high the floor is basically. He, he had whatever it was, you know, 12 and 11 or 14 and 10, whatever it was in the first half against Milwaukee the other day and like was good, but not great and doesn't know what he's doing and had a double double in the first half. So like, I think that people, I look admittedly, I've been incredibly high on him, but I think, People sold way too early on Wiseman and got way too low on him when right. I agree he went. You. Yeah, I, and so like I still see. I I, I think the look I, is he going to be like Anthony Davis? I, no, because I don't think the ball skills will ever get there. But like the Chris Bosh stuff, but the KG like two, stuff, he's like, like two to three inches taller than those guys. Too. He's a, he he is seven one, two hundred and sixty pounds, and is just twenty years old. And when he plays and plays solid minutes is doing a lot offensively it does sometimes isn't pretty it doesn't look that smooth it doesn't look great and then you're like yeah he wasn't he didn't really do anything all right yeah and he had 17 18 points on six of eight shooting i was like this dude is gonna be a player period agreed jam stein hey what's up guys can you hear me yeah i can hear you what's up i got you hey um if if we had D'Antoni as the coach, um, what do you think our record would be? Ooh, good question. Appreciate it, Jam Stein. I'm going to go with what I said earlier. They're 25 and 28. Flip that around. Mike D'Antoni would probably have this team playing. Um, he would have just called a spade a spade and just had a running high pick and roll since the beginning of the season. And I think that would have worked. But, like, you know, he, he's not turning Andrew Wiggins into Kevin Durant. Correct. Would, uh, but how about this? I don't know what the record would be, but I suspect it would be better. Yeah, that's where I'm going. I think they would be closer to that Dallas-Portland range than the borderline out of the play-in range. How's that sound? I think that's a – I think true talent, they should probably be in line with those teams. Um, and that's probably where he would have had yeah, I mean, I, I think the answer is I'm not sure. What would the record be? I'm not sure, but I think it would be better. Right. And it, does, it doesn't mean that Tony's a better coach. I just think it would be better in this situation. 
Agreed. All right, Drev, what's up, man? Yeah. Uh, sorry, I almost forgot my question, but I remembered when you were talking about Wiseman. Uh, do you think if this team is not able to make a superstar trade, they can settle for having Wiseman as a third or second option next season and still be competitive in the West? Great question, Drev. Appreciate it. I don't think that if they can't um, add high-end talent to this roster next year, I do not think they'll be competitive with the top three, four teams next year. And that's more of a, you guys are asking for 2018 play to come back. And that's just, that's just unfair given the injuries he's had. And I don't think James Wiseman will get there in a year. I don't think James Wiseman's ready to be the second option on a contender next year. So um, if you're, if your goal is, I want to be able to compete with the LA teams with Denver next year, running it back and just changing the margins is probably not getting it done. Correct. All right. We'll leave it. We'll leave it there. I appreciate everyone here. This will be up in pod form tomorrow. Aaron, I always appreciate you, man. Anytime, brother.